Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So check it out. For those of you who know me, you know that, um, <coughs> excuse me, we drive older vehicles. Like, for example, I drive a Toyota Sequoia. And I'm sorry if, if you don't agree with SUVs, but I have an SUV. And I uh, have one, we got, we got enough kids for an SUV, so I drive a Toyota Sequoia, and it's 12 years old. My wife drives a Honda Odyssey van that's 15 years old, going on 200,000 miles. I have a, a little motorcycle that's my baby. She's a Harley Davidson. She's a road king. And she's 16 years old. We we just drive old vehicles. It's not because I've got anything against new vehicles. I mean, I'm like you. I love the way they smell. But I was taught at a very young age that, and you know this intuitively, vehicles are expensive. And they drop by a lot of value when you pull them off the lot, by the way. And I was just taught at a very young age, change the oil, follow the maintenance plan, and drive that bad boy till the wheels come off. It's like the only way you're going to really get your value out of a vehicle. So our Honda Odyssey, as I said, 15 years old, 200,000 miles. For the last three years, our mechanic, an unbelievable mechanic, by the name of David Taylor, married to the lovely Rita Taylor. They used to be here at Central. They've moved to the Sanford campus. David, Rita, love you guys. They're there right now. They lead the first contact ministry. He's an unbelievable auto mechanic in Sanford. For the last three years, David has been telling me every time I take our van to him for the inspection, he has been telling me that you have a bad catalytic converter. And he really didn't have to tell me because there's a light on the dashboard that stays on. But listen, listen, I'm not into breaking the law. So Dave, Dave would say, Pastor, we got to do the same thing we did last year we got to hook it up and test its emissions. Now, if you don't know about a catalytic converter, if you own a car, you are the proud owner of a catalytic converter. If you own one that was made after 1975. Catalytic converter, the government instituted this, was a part of this. It helps with turning dangerous pollutants into not-so-dangerous pollutants. And he's been telling me for three years, your catalytic converter is bad. And I've been saying, Dave, I'll replace it when you tell me I've got to replace it. And so he'll hook it up to the machine. And for three years straight, David says, Pastor, I don't know what's going on, but it barely passed the emissions test. And I said, Dave, that's favor. We're going to drive it another year. Next year, same thing. Pastor, it's bad again. I don't know if it's gotten any worse since last year, but I'm going to hook it up. If it doesn't pass, you're going to have to pay $2,000 for a catalytic converter. Pastor... It barely passed. I don't know what you do. Three years in a row. This week, I sent it to Sanford from our Sanford campus pastor, Nate Mariner, who he and that church, they are just killing it over there for reach, teach, and release. Love those guys. Love how God is using them. So I asked uh, Pastor Nate, I said, Nate, bro, can you get my van to Sanford and let Dave work on it? Sure enough, Nate took it to Sanford, but Dave was on vacation. And so David said, I'll get it when I get back. No worries. So Nate parked it at the church. And this week, 
Some, if you're, walking, if you're watching this and you are the thief, some thief went to the church, oh yeah, and with a saw, got up under the van and cut off the catalytic converter. Hold on, the story gets better, beloved. And I didn't know, this is popular. This, this is actually very popular. The insurance um, adjuster told us it happens all the time. Some of these park and ride lots, sometimes five or six cars will get hit at a time. There's a group of people who travel around and they cut off catalytic converters. And when Pastor Nate shot me a text and said, bro, they stole your catalytic converter. I laughed for three days straight. <laughs> So if you're watching this and you stole my catalytic converter, congratulations, you stole a bad one. And here's the real kicker. I saved it for the last. We have insurance. So the insurance adjuster said you have a $250 deductible. You pay that and you get a brand new $2,000 converter. <laughs> Can you say favor? <laughs> it's the only time in life that I think procrastination worked out good. It's an unbelievable thing. I, I get so amused at thinking that they thought they were stealing a good catalytic converter. And now they know. They stole a piece of junk. Have you ever held something that you thought was valuable and it turned out it wasn't worth anything? Let, let me ask it the other way around. Have you, ever, have you ever thought you held something that was not valuable, but it turned out you held something of incredible value? I want to talk to you today on the last Sunday of the first half of 2013. On the eve of the first day of the second half of 2013. I want to talk to you today about your value. Your worth. And I want to ask you the question, how much are you worth? And I want to just pause for a moment so you can breathe over that. How much are you worth? Stop thinking about the person around you. Stop thinking about how much your spouse is worth and we don't want to know about that. Stop thinking about your children. Stop thinking about what you need to do today. I want to talk to just you today. Just you. How much are you worth? Because people are figuring up your worth all the time. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola has figured out your net worth. FYI, they have concluded that you are worth $6,000. If Coca-Cola can earn your business for life, they have concluded that you are worth about $6,000. You drink more Cokes than I do, beloved. And the next time you buy a Coke, just look at it as a down payment towards your $6,000. Chevrolet. Chevrolet has concluded that you are worth about 
over the course of your life if they can earn you as a lifetime customer. Apple has concluded you are worth about $45,000 if they can get your business for life. And I just stopped by today to let you know that those companies don't have a clue of your worth. I just stopped by today to let you know that there are not enough zeros in the largest number that you can fathom to indicate the value and the worth that Almighty God has placed upon you. The Bible says this. Open up your Bibles to 1 Peter. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, I want you to hear a great verse of Scripture. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Verse 18, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as what church? Such as what? Silver or gold that you were redeemed from your empty way of life. Look at the next screen. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The word of God says to you today, it reminds me today that the most precious commodities of this world, silver and gold, cannot compare with your immense eternal value which God has stated is worth the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without Blemish. One of the hardest things in the world to understand and to comprehend is the love of God. My grandfather, who passed away several years ago, great man of God. I used to love to visit him in Gresham, South Carolina. Yes, I know you've never heard of Gresham. But I used to visit grandma and granddad at Gresham, and my grandparents were great uh, people of faith, I've told you before, the first thing they bought when they got married was a coffee pot and a Bible. And my granddad and I would often end up outside after grandma laid out that spread on the dinner table. You know what I'm saying? And we'd end up outside and we'd be sitting in lounge chairs, just sitting out there usually under his bird feeder. And inevitably the conversation would get to the love of God. And my grandfather, he would always say the same thing. I mean, I could almost quote him verbatim. He would say, son, I've spent my whole life trying to understand how God could love someone like me. And yet he does. And then he would end it with this. He says, the gospel has to be true because only God could think up such a love story. Different writers in the Bible have tried to wrestle with it as well. Moses tried to get at it when he said, Exodus 26, God shows love to a thousand generations. The author of Chronicles simply says it like this. His love does what, church? Does what? Endures what? Forever. The psalmist sings, the whole earth is full of his unfailing love. And Ezekiel says it like this. God loves more than one who sings love songs. What a great, great image. Daniel refers to God's work as covenant love. Look at, look at what he says. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. 
Zephaniah proclaims the Lord, listen to this, listen to this, will quiet you with his love as he sings over you. What an image. And in most places, Paul refers to the love of God as a mysterion. We, it's a mystery. We can't understand it. But in 1 Corinthians 13, he, he starts to unpack it when he says love is patient, kind, never boastful, never fails. And then Paul would end that chapter, chapter 13, verse 13. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what, church? Love. Throughout the entire Bible, if I could just sum up the entire word of the Lord, it is a narrative of God's unfailing love for his creation, and that would include you. He loves you. For First Peter says, it is not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that your life has been redeemed from its empty way, but by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish. Say this with me. I am deeply loved. Again, I am deeply loved. One more time. I think you can do better. I am deeply loved. You got to know that. And part of, part of our problem often is that we have an identity crisis. We start looking at our own value. We start summarizing our own value, our net worth, based upon what people say to us, based upon what loved ones have said to us in the past, based upon what the world might say to us. I'm worth $6,000, you know. And we're 276,000. No, no, no. We base our net worth upon those things instead of saying, you know what? What does God's word say that I am worth? And I just wanted us to do a mid-year checkup to remind you you're worth so much. This faltering pastor could never ever, ever articulate to you how valuable you are. How much you are so dearly loved. It's why I call you beloved all the time. I just want to try to remind you all the time, you are loved. You are valuable. More valuable than anything on this planet. Not based upon your looks. Not based upon your educational career. Not based upon your earning power. Not based upon where you live. Not based upon the value of your home or your homes. Not based upon how new or old your vehicle is. For he has bought you. The almighty God of the universe has bought you. He has purchased you. He has said, this is how valuable you are. Far more than silver or gold. You're so valuable that I'm going to buy your life with the precious blood of Jesus. Lamb without blemish. John Blanchard stood up in New York City got up from the bench that he was sitting on, 
straightened his uniform, and he studied the crowd making their way through Grand Central Station. He looked for the girl whose face he had never seen, but whose heart he knew. You see, 13 months prior, John Blanchard was in a library in Florida where he was reading a book and he he fell not for the words in the book, but rather the soft, gentle notes written with a pencil in the margin. He fell in love, if you will, with this woman from a distance and actually found out her name, ran her down, and it was Miss Holly Manel. And on that day, he stood up and looked in Grand Central Station looking for her because you see, 13 months prior, when he reached out to her and they got connected, he finally met her via mail right before he was heading off to Europe to fight in World War II. For 13 months, they exchanged letters. And they slowly but surely started to have a romance, if you will, through the letters. He returned and they had this plan to meet in Grand Central Station. Miss Holly Maynell said, you will notice me because I will be wearing a rose on my lapel. So John Blanchard stood up from the bench, looked across Grand Central Station, and he saw her coming, or so he thought. Let me let Mr. Blanchard tell you the story instead of me. A young woman was coming toward me, her figure long and slim. Her blonde hair lay back in curls from her delicate ears. Her eyes were blue as flowers. Her lips and chin had a gentle firmness. And in her pale green suit, she was like springtime come alive. I started toward her, entirely forgetting to notice that she was not wearing a rose. As I moved, a small provocative smile curved her lips, going my way, sailor, she murmured. Almost uncontrollably, I made one step closer to her, and then I saw Miss Holly Maynell. She was standing almost directly behind the girl, a woman well past 40. She had graying hair tucked under a worn hat. She was more than plump, and her thick ankled feet thrust into low-heeled shoes. The girl in the green suit was walking away quickly. I felt as though I was split in two. So keen was my desire to follow her, and yet so deep was my longing for the woman whose spirit had truly companioned me and upheld my own. And there she stood, her pale, plump face, was gentle and sensible. Her gray eyes had a warm and kindly twinkle. I did not hesitate. My fingers gripped the small, worn, blue leather copy of the book that was to identify me to her. This would not be love, but it would be something precious. Something perhaps even better than love. A friendship of which I had been and must ever be grateful. I squared my shoulders, saluted, 
held out the book to the woman. Even though while I spoke, I felt choked by the bitterness of my disappointment. I'm Lieutenant John Blanchard, he said. And you must be Miss Maynell. I am so glad you could meet me. May I take you to dinner? The woman's face broadened into a tolerant smile. She said, I don't know what this is all about, son, she answered. But the young lady in the green suit who just went by, she begged me to wear this rose on my coat. (laughs) And she said that if you were to ask me out to dinner, I should tell you that she is waiting for you in the big restaurant across the street. She has said it is some kind of test. Now, why do we love that story so much? We love that story for many, many reasons. The fact that Lieutenant John Blanchard was true to his word. The fact that Lieutenant John Blanchard resisted the attractiveness of beauty in order to meet this woman. We love that story because, listen, we find in it humanity at its best. But that is not why I tell the story. Listen, the reason I tell that touching story is to point out that even at humanity's best, we cannot comprehend the love of God. Even at at humanity's best, even at the stories that tug deep at our heartstrings, they even pale in comparison to the love of God and how much He loves you and you and you and you and you and you and everybody on the other side of that camera. God loves you regardless, warts and all. He loves you. If I might put it this way, every single one of you, you have a rose on your lapel. For it is not with the precious things of this world, silver or gold, That your life has been redeemed, beloved. But with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish. Please know this, the cry of your heart to be loved is the faint echo of God's desire to love you. Let that sit there for a moment. The cry of your heart to be loved is a faint echo of God's desire to love you. If I could put it, Another way, in a world that is desperately crying to be loved, God's love is here to change your life, is here to shape your life, and to give you identity. He created you, listen, with the desire to be loved so that He could love you. Have you let that life-changing love change everything about you? When, When my kids were little... And some of you have been with me a long time. You remember this. I've, I've done this multiple times. And I'm kind of sad because I can't do it anymore. They're all too big to do this now. But I would bring my babies up on stage, remember? And I would take off their little onesies, their little ones, not their onesies. <laughs> it's been a long time. I'd take off their onesie socks, if you will. Their small little socks. And I would hold their little feet. And I would take the hand and I would hold their little hands and I'd say, Listen, church, God loves you so much that he took his son. And I usually would hold one of my boys up. 
And he allowed spikes to, 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 to be nailed into these feet of his son and into his hands and the, and the brow. And I just would make the point, there's no way, no way in the world. I mean, I love you guys, but I don't think I could do that. And that's what God has done for you. Read this verse out loud with me. I just want it to settle in. I want to keep coming back to it today. It's 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. I want you to read the whole verse out with me. Ready, go. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. Let's continue. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without or... It wasn't right. It wasn't right that people spit into the eyes of Almighty God who wept for them. It wasn't right that nails and spikes went into the hands, listen, of the one who formed the universe and everything in it. It wasn't right that the weight of the world had to be thrust upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. It wasn't right that Jesus had to die on a cross, be placed into a tomb where he experienced the silence of death. It wasn't right, but I don't know about you. I'm so thankful that God chose to love me like that. Amen. One of the great illustrations in the church of all times is an illustration of a dad who's working a bridge, a, a train bridge, if you will. And the dad has his young lad with him for the day. And they're kind of doing their thing and they get a little separated and the boy actually falls into trouble. And the dad is faced with a pivotal decision. Do I lift the bridge and save my son and in doing so kill every person on the train? Or do I let my son die? to save every person on the train. What would you have done? I don't know. And the good news is I don't have to know. The good news is that that illustration is just a human vignette, a frame through which to see the gospel afresh and anew. And what I love about the video is you, some people are on the train. They don't even know what just went down. They don't have a clue. And the same is still true today. People are on the, the locomotive of life, if you will. They're on the train, man. They're on the journey called life. And some of them aren't even aware of the sacrifice For it was not with perishable things like silver or gold that you were redeemed, or maybe you will be redeemed today from your empty way of life. But it's with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish, that God said, I love him so much 
And the only way they're going to be saved, the only way there's going to be a price paid for their sin is I'm going to allow my son, Jesus Christ, to take the hit. It's how much he loves you. And it's about this time in the message every week, you know, that I would get toward application. And I'd say, this is how you apply this. And this is what you need to do. And I'm not even going to do that today. You want some application? Here's, here's your application today. Rest in and receive God's love. There's application. If you're one of those, you just got to have something to do. Give me something to do, Pastor. Me, I got to have something to do. Give it to me. There it is. Rest in and receive God's love and let it change you from the inside out Father we give you thanks so hard to understand so beautiful to behold God, as we get ready to sing about it, may it be more than words on a screen. Father, may you, may you rain down your love today. May every single person throughout the movement be reminded or quite possibly, Father God, experience it for the first time. Your amazing undeniable, life-changing love. We thank you for it. We thank you for purchasing our lives, redeeming our lives with the precious blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God without blemish. We pray it in His name. Amen. Stand where we are. Pay close attention to the words. Sing it out just as loud as you can.
have you ever just received that love? And I know this this particular worship crowd well. I know many of you have and you're walking in it. There are people here who you might have wondered in here or you might have used to experience and walk in it and you've kind of wandered away from it. And today it just kind of reawakened you to the how much God loves you, your value. And I want to give you a chance just to, to open your heart to that right now. God, God will not force himself upon you. Never has, never will. The Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks. And that if you'll open up the door of your heart, that he'll, he'll flood your heart, he'll flood your life with his love. All eyes closed, heads bowed. Let's pray one more time. Father, I want to pray for the person here who, who knows that they need to seize this moment right now. And God, I'm not going to drag it out and I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I'm just going to give them a chance. If you're here and you need the love of God in your life, if you're here and you want to open your heart again, you hear God knocking at the door of your heart and you just want to open up and you just want to surrender and you just want to let the Lord of life, the Lord of love to come into your life and forgive you of your sins, to change you from the inside out. Pray a simple prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for redeeming my life. As 1 Peter 1, 18 says, for redeeming me from my previously empty life and purchasing me with the precious blood of Jesus. I need me that love. I need that forgiveness. I need that grace. And thank you for awakening my soul to it right now. If that's you, again, eyes closed. I just want you to raise your hand. Just lift your hand up so I can see you. I just love to, yeah, see, I love this. Keep, keep your hands up. Lift them up high so I can see them. I see them all the way over here, all the way in the back. Oh, wow, I see just dozens of hands all over this place. Hold them up. Father, I pray for these folks who have their hands raised right now, reaching out to you, if you will, God, seizing and receiving the love that you have so graciously given. Now pray a prayer like this, Lord Jesus, come into my heart today. From this day forward, I'm going to serve you with all that I have. I receive your precious blood for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you, Father God, for raising Jesus to new life. Now raise me with his love. Together, God, we praise you. We celebrate this. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Church, give it up for those who just raised their hands all over this place. Praise Him, church. Praise Him. Praise Him. Let's lift our voices together.
Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you'd like to financially support the movement of New Hope Church, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.